Hey Mainstreamers, it's Pharrell London here and I want to personally thank you for choosing and listening to the Mainstream Podcast. In 2022, we welcomed some of the most incredible special guests. I loved it. I had so much fun. So here are some of the best bits and top tips to help you kickstart your journey into the mainstream. Sit back, relax and enjoy. No, no one. The thing is, people always ask me how to get into films or how I got into it. My journey is not conventional. Yeah. No one journey is the same. And so I just feel like all of what the only thing, my, my, my main thing that I've learned about the film and TV industry as talent and as behind the scenes is that you are, you get opportunities. No one owes you nothing and you get what you work for. True. Do you get what I'm saying? Very true. And so if you work hard and you hustle and you knock on doors and like the people that do that, that are not talented, sometimes get through. Again, very true. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not even about talent. It's yeah. about it's about talent and drive. Yeah. Or it's about drive more than talent. That is drive plus talent. Proven. But there's a model <laughs> that just the only model that works is your drive. The only model that works is like if you want to be an actor. You want to be in one of my films. The only model that works is like emailing me, DMing me, like messaging me all the time, sending me work that you've done, yeah. even if I don't get back to you. Yeah. It's the only model that works. Persistence, 100%. And I've seen it a million times. Wow. Like with music, with acting, with everything, like the people that are, consistency is key like Ooh, in this yeah. industry. And also you're never going to get what you deserve. Oh. You have to take what you feel you deserve. You have to go and get it. Damn, that was a punch. No, you're not. You're not. You're not going to, like, no one, owe, like, because no one's going to give you opportunities. Yeah. No one owes you anything. It's no true. one owes you nothing. Yeah. And like, so, like, I came out, I did kiddohood, I did adulthood. I thought I was going to be, like, one of the biggest, but I wasn't given that. So I had to hustle. Mm. I, I can only talk for me. I can't talk for anyone else. I'm yeah. talking from my experience. Yeah. And like, my experience might just, that's what I said. Like, no one journey is the same. My experience is unique. And so, for me, I, I just feel like everything that I've got since that kiddo, adulthood, yep. I've hustled, man. I've hustled for it. I mean, that's the thing. I, like, I do agree with what you said earlier, Jay. Like, it's not very common to get open castings mm -hmm. nowadays, especially, especially for the BBC. Mm -hmm. Like, that's yeah. so unheard sure. of. And um, I feel like a lot of people can identify with that idea of, like, with what Pia just said, like, not knowing... I want to be an actress or actor, but how? Yeah. How? So what? from what you guys have experienced so far in your careers, what advice would you give to anyone that wanted to be an actor about looking for opportunities? I'd say, I'd say, um, depends where you want to go. Okay. So the way, the way I see um, the acting, uh, what's the word? The acting industry. Industry, yes. The way the way I see the acting industry, there's there's two sides of it. So you've got the theatre side and you've got the screen acting side. Right. And I say whichever one you want to follow. So for example, the screen acting, if you if you don't know how to go by it, I'd say defo um defo try study drama because they teach you they teach you don't have to, but like it's 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 helpful because yeah. they teach you different practitioners. And different styles and i'd say i'd say defo get some material out there so so you can you can go audition like so there's open castings for short films right 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 and through these short films you get something called showreel material yeah so they'll send you the footage 
of of the showreel. So you'd get make an edit of all your best parts that you think is best. Mm-hmm. Then I'd say, I'd say defo invest in getting some really nice headshots, mm-hmm. where you, where you look really really nice and you look your best. You look good, all right. Yeah. You, look, you, look, you look. So I'm trying to be professional, all right. Now you got me doing a Cockney accent. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, nah, yeah. I'd say I'd say yeah, where you where you look really good yeah. and it's gonna make the casting director go, yeah, that's who I need. So yeah. headshot, uh showreel. Mm-hmm. Once you got your headshot and showreel, um speak to different agencies mm-hmm. and show send they'll they're gonna ask for a showreel and a headshot. You give them that and then and then fingers crossed they they see you and they 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 have an interest in you definitely you got an agent now you got an agent your agent's going to get you uh jobs yeah and um yeah that's 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 what i'd say i'd say i'd say once you got the agency and then you got you got jobs coming through then depending on those jobs you can even change agencies because there's levels to agencies okay so so the, you got the top top you got the mafia the gangsters <laughs> who, like you get like the best agents like the best, sorry, the best castings. Yeah. And you got low. That's like they'll get you um, adverts and and okay. little little short films that you'll get paid for. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's that's I think that's the best way to pursue uh, an acting career. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I know. You, I've noticed that. So Michael, your brother is your manager, mm. and. PRN and Ketchy, you don't have managers or agents yet. Um, I ended up getting one like just after the pilot. Ooh, okay, girl, we see you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Literally. Um, so I applied um I think with two. And then so I, I decided which one I wanted to oh, be with. That was a nice thing, yeah. to be honest. And then I'm with Hatch Talent. Amazing. They're really good. Yeah. They're really good. We've got some other people on the podcast who've been on there. So oh, you ain't good. Good to know. Good good, good, good family there. Um, how about you and Ketchy? Yeah, I ain't got an agent, but like But you're doing bits though. I'm doing all right. And that's uh-huh. what I'd say. Like, obviously that's great advice. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing I really believe is like my whole life I've always done what I wanted. <laughs> okay. I've done what I wanted when I want how I want. Yeah. And that's not always served me well. Fair. But like, you know, school doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. Drama school's kind of long and expensive. <laughs> I can't lie. Yeah, true. And there are so many community theatre groups, intermission, the big house, like local councils. Like they mm-hmm. run so many great acting classes and groups. Also, like watch the telly, <laughs> watch yeah. it, learn, yeah. like read. So I never went to drama school, but I know all about Stanislavski and Uta Jeez, Hagen. And Stanislavski. Shout out the practitioners. <laughs> I'll go out and I'll, I'll go to Waterstones and I'll buy that book and I'll yeah. read it. Do you know what I mean? So I'm all about empowering yourself and educating yourself. And like similar, similarly to Pia before she had an agent, going out there and finding your own yep. opportunities and mm. sort of, I rely a lot on my personality yeah. and my, my charisma and like, energy yeah to get it because i might not be the most well-trained actor but i can do it and mm. i'll try and i'll i think that's that's almost kind of all you have to be willing to do is put yourself out there be brave there's so much rejection in this industry yeah, yeah. um i don't know if i said it already but like yeah after my first job i was like not booking anything and right. i got so many no's that it was like this is long mm. so i would say like spend time building your own resilience up and building your mm. own 
um, strength and believing in your own source because lots of people won't believe in your source. Yeah. Lots of people will tell you you're doing the wrong thing. Lots of people will tell you to have a backup career. Oh, that's fun. That's cute. No, it's not cute. It pays my bills and it will there pay my go. bills. So I think, yeah, obviously go to drama school if you can, you know, do all those things if you can. But if not... Use your life and use your own experiences Character to drive you. Yeah. Also, those those what you were saying about um those like um places like community communities and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those are so good as well. Definitely. So that that even classes going like to drama training. Well, yeah. It's, it's oh no, but it. But it's it's something. It's interesting yeah. that you say that though. There are a lot of like you know we had um, Dev on the podcast and he he went to Anashir, which is yeah, like yeah that's cold though. Yeah. I, I, I went there. Did you as well? Yeah, yeah, Amazing. And that's I the still thing. see that as drama school though. Even yeah. if it's at the weekends, Fair. I feel like if you're being trained by Anashir or or like Stomp or like I'm trying to think of all the big heavyweight weekends. Sylvia classes, Young. Sylvia yeah. Young. I still feel like you're you're getting, getting that a top level tier up. Yeah, like yeah. training. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. That's sick. Yeah, like, yeah. That's that's a privilege. That's lucky. But I just think sometimes those things aren't always as accessible. Mm-hmm. As, no, I get that financially. As yeah, it's expensive. It's, yeah. And plus, I listen. I tried to go on a share. I was on that waiting list for years. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Wait I didn't make it. List. I didn't make it. It is what it is. Like not everyone gets those opportunities. So like yeah. like you're all saying, you know, it is about being very open minded mm-hmm. to where and how you can get into the industry. And I think it's great that you've all got different experiences mad, it? into it. Yeah. Actually and you're mad. all in the same place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I love that you're not afraid to do it all, but I know a lot of the times now when, for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of other presenters, when we go into rooms with commissioners and production companies, they're like, what's your thing? What's your niche? What what, what is that? Like, it's so frustrating because sometimes you just want to be a general all-round presenter and broadcaster. So do you have a thing? Have you you had to figure out what your thing is? And do you think it's important to get work? Yeah, I'd never really known what my thing was. But there was... A bit of a moment, maybe after the first couple of years I was on one extra, something I realised would set me apart from everybody else is, um, I'm not saying this as a diss, okay? I'm just saying how I felt. I felt like everyone was trying to be quite cool. Ooh, I get that. And I've never been cool. I I, I just haven't. I think you're cool. Well, I feel like, it's it's like that Marge Simpson quote, I'm cool because I'm not, I don't know I'm cool. Does that make me cool? Because I don't know. Fair. Like, I've, I've just gone through it, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, I've always been the weird one in my friendship group. I've always been, like, a little bit odd, not quite fitting. And I got so tired of trying to be like everybody else yeah. that, that that day I had that realisation of, if I just say how I honestly feel about something, that does set me apart from everybody else. And yeah. something I've heard a lot that is a really big win for me is uh, if I go for a job, if I'm sitting down talking to commissions, that kind of thing, they'll say things like, oh, well, the reason we wanted to book you, Dev, is we wanted to get your unique take on this. Oh, I like that. We like that you usually think a little bit different about whatever it is. I think there's a few factors uh, down to how that is, but I I reckon one of the big things is doing years of early breakfast radio. I did early breakfast about four and a half years. Yeah. I still have like cognitive capacity that I'm definitely not getting back from oh my years of not. And I was at university at the same time I was doing that. I started when I was about 24. And yeah, I, how can I put this? 
I was I wasn't very professional when I was doing them years. You know what I'm saying? I was going out all night. I was Jeez. coming coming home and like first thing in the morning and then just going straight to work. And you'd have to I'd show up with nothing to talk about, which you know as a radio personality is one of the worst feelings in the world. When you're yeah. about to open up a mic and you have nothing to talk about. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. You just got to waffle. But, of course. But because I did it all the time, I just started to get the ability to just talk <laughs> about anything. Like you're a professional waffler. <laughs> yeah, precisely. So all the all the good stories would have been used up the day before. Yeah. There's nothing going on in the news because it's four o'clock in the morning. So you would just have to make something out of, out of nothing. Yeah. Um. So I, I guess a combination of trying to be honest. Not just trying to make people laugh or trying to say the funniest thing. Trying to truly find a bit of bit of honesty. Trying to give a little bit of yourself as well. Um, again, without like being specific. There's a few presenters who I feel like are lacking reaching their full potential because they want to keep their audience at arm's length. Yeah. I don't think you can really do that successfully in this job. I think the unfortunate trade-off is you have to give so much of yourself to your audience and just hope that they like you. <laughs> it's true, you know. We're always just, shooting our shot. Just hope that they don't <laughs> use it against you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But then that can also become one of your most powerful assets. True. Right? So someone I think does this so well is um, Snoochie. Right? Oh, yeah. So I remember seeing Snoochie on, uh, I think it was on like Jamie Lang's podcast or something like that a while right. ago. And she made a joke about not knowing who her dad was. Right. That her dad had, like, left or something when she was, like, two years old. Almost, like, laughing, like, oh, well, you know, if, if you know. Like, now, that is such a standard thing for, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know my dad when I was growing up. Loads of my friends didn't. That is such, like, a standard... Yeah. Almost, it's, it's horrible, actually, when you yeah, think about how normalised that is. But for Jamie, it sort of blew his mind a bit. Like, wow. oh, she's not joking. She genuinely doesn't know... But you couldn't get Snoochie for that. You couldn't say to her, like, oh, you, you didn't know who that. It's like, yeah, she said that. Yeah. She owned it completely. Yeah. And in that moment, I feel like you just make yourself a normal person. I found it, like, so endearing. I yeah. feel like I've like, known so much about that person in that moment. And I think I'm, like, constantly trying to do little things like that, trying to give people little snapshots into my life. But again, the horrible <laughs> trade-off is you have to bear your soul to people that you don't even know and just hope that they don't get really nasty and, <laughs> and try and use it against you. You're doing all right so yeah. far, bro. You're doing all right. <laughs> but, you know, I've, I've, I've heard that in therapy a number of times as well, that, you know, the only... People only have... The only power that people have over you is the power that you give to them. Mm -hmm. so like sometimes by... By being that honest person, by bearing your soul, you are taking all the power from somebody else if they if they did want to use it in a bad way, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think that's how it works. No, I love that. That's really, again, another insightful look at how you just enjoy being you. Like, that's beautiful. Well, this, this brings me to actually when I feel like we met. Because... I remember seeing you a lot of the time on YouTube because that's when I was at Link Up TV and yeah. you were doing some bits here and there mm -hmm. with Arnold George, a.k.a. A Squeezy, Jazzy, like you mentioned, Don't Jealous Me, mm -hmm. Hamza as well. Like, you were about. Yeah, yeah. You was about, about. And, like, you you was definitely immersed in the online kind of YouTube web series world. Um, so you're, you mentioned that was kind of organic and very just mm -hmm. accidental. But, you know, you've always been kind of at the forefront of creating improvised sketches and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So was that a conscious decision to then start creating content as well? 
I knew that I didn't want to have my own channel. That's a very specific thing. Yeah, because I knew I knew where I wanted to be, okay. and I knew that the two things didn't really correlate. I knew that mm. I wanted to be like regularly on television or regularly in other shows or or films or whatever it was. Right. And I wanted to do, yeah, I wanted to, I knew that I didn't want my own thing. I didn't want it to be like a, um, like a me show. I wanted to play, to do like, have a variety of things. I wanted right. to play a variety of characters. Right. I wanted to show my versatility. That and I knew sense. that I wouldn't be able to do that. If I had my own thing, I'd have to sort of stick to that thing. I mean, I don't, I guess you can make it whatever you want to be. But at the time when I was looking at my peers and I was looking mm -hmm. at Hamza and, uh, Squeezy and uh, Don't Jealous Me and Vijanic and all those people, they had created their characters yeah. and their YouTube show was their characters. Yeah. And then they'd bring people along that would feature and those people will get to be anyone and they can change who those people yeah. are and all that. And I also saw the pressure. Oh my gosh, with. so true. And I remember being with Hamza, we, we shot like uh, Diary of a Bad Man, yeah. I think it was like series two or something like that. So it was like, really early on, maybe like 2012. Yeah. And I remember Hamza would just show me the messages that he would get on, I don't even think it was Instagram. Instagram weren't even there. That's probably Facebook times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And the messages that he would get and people were like, what's wrong with you, man? Why have you not uploaded today? You said the video was going to be out yesterday. It's been 24 hours. <laughs> Holding like, nah, him to nah. a ransom. I said, no, no, no. That's not for me, that. Because That's me, crazy. I'll start replying to each of each and every one of them. Look at your trim, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so God. I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to have my own thing for those two reasons. And right. I thought they were two pretty good reasons. That's fair. So, um, yeah, I always just wanted to feature and be able to be versatile and change what I was doing. Um, and I was very happy to be like, oh, the guy that's in that thing. Yeah. Rather than like, oh, it's him, it's him, it's him. Like, I was quite happy to be unknown or just be like, known from that and that and that rather than just one thing um it's interesting yeah and That's i mean really I've, i'm really impressed that you had that thought at such a young time like you know you yeah. was early 20s then yeah, yeah and also everyone was told that they're supposed to be jumping on youtube yeah yeah so I mean, i'm quite surprised all that of you my were boys like, were like bro why haven't you got your own channel everyone used to say that to me yeah. all the time why haven't you got your own channel why haven't you got your and i was like i don't want to that's not what i want to do that's not where i want to go um, and I knew that from from young. I didn't know like if I'd get to where I wanted to be. Yeah. But I knew that I I knew where I didn't want to be, and that's no like no like I'm not passing judgment on the people that no, did that because it got it got them to where they are. And like me and Tolu had very different um, uh, journeys, yeah. but we like we were in the same like, when we shot Man Like Moby. Yeah. We're both on set together in the same place. One hundred percent. Our journeys were very different, but we we reached the same place, and we were both happy with where we were. Yeah. Um. And he was a he's a lead in that show, and I was a guest in that show, and I was very like we were both very happy in the places that we were, despite like our journeys being completely different, but for the for the right reasons. You've seen so many different sides of the industry as well, from from different broadcasters to being involved which we're going to talk a little bit more about in the production of shows um but you know for anyone that was a new creative and wanted to get in and they're really really getting bogged down by the nose mm. what would you say to them as words of encouragement the simple as this create your own shit Ooh. it is fundamental it is life you 
it's the most exciting thing in the world, right? There's nothing more exciting as an artist to create in your own work. Mm -hmm. It is yours. It is yours in how you develop it. It's yours in how you edit it. It's yours in how you share it. It is yours and there's no holds bars. So even when it feels like nobody's watching or listening or giving a fuck, like create your work this is your freest it's ever going to be because i know we all want to be in hollywood remember <laughs> when you're taking other people other people's money to create your work it becomes stressful yeah people start telling you what you can and can't do there's lots of rules and regulations and egos and not egos like and whilst it's amazing to create work in the mainstream and it's my dream and i feel so lucky and honored some of the best times i've ever had as a creative is making my own work I love that. It's the best, like, and I and even though I might be making shows with Sky or we've made our my first feature film and these sort of things, do you not like at the end of April I'm going back to create a web series? Jeez, because it's like well, I love doing that. Yeah, and yeah, great if that web series can go to a TV show, that'd be great. But I love making work, and like, I went, I was in Oslo with my girlfriend, and we went to an art gallery, and I was watching a sick art film, and I was like. I'm going to create an art film. I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter if someone watches it and goes, oh, this is the most boring thing or this is whatever. Like, who cares? Like, let me try and create this. Like, we, as a young creative, make work, man, and yeah. shout about your work and be proud of it and don't give a fuck what anybody thinks because if you are an artist, you create art. Fact, that is it. That's what you do. Don't worry about how many views it gets. That is irrelevant. Do not worry about people who tweet, retweet it. Like, don't worry. Create your art create it have fun enjoy it don't worry about budgets don't worry about not knowing how to use equipment like use your phone and just spit a monologue into your phone and then just upload it onto soundcloud or if you've got no money just create like a, a tiktok monologue series or like just make work that is it and oh just gets me excited even talking Oh my about gosh. <laughs> Nathan's got a whole sermon going on Honestly, today. Honestly, you don't even... I could go on. <laughs> I was seriously... No, I love that so much because your passion is what people need to hear because so many people get scared about the numbers, the views. Oh, no one's retweeting it. Who cares? Who cares? Yeah. You, don't, you don't create art. Okay, we create art to share what we're trying to say. Yeah. And that's true, of course. I love making a show for Sky. Because I know it goes to millions of people and it goes to Hulu in America. And that's my dream. That's my dreams coming true. Yeah. But I also create other stories that might not be as commercial or might need a bit more time to develop to get there. Mm -hmm. And let's do all of it. Let's do all of that. Let's share. Let, like, just give yourself time to create and not put pressure on it. Like, have fun. Definitely. Definitely. That's so empowering, man. I love it. I love it, Nathan. Thank you. Honestly. <laughs> I've always wanted to help. I've always wanted to give back to um, to people, right? And my boys were like, I've got this idea, let's do sh Shadrach. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do this thing, but you're the only one that can skate, bruv. So <laughs> Literally, it was like, cause we used to go happen. roller disco in Vauxhall. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, come on, come on, <laughs> come on. We used to go roller disco in, in Vauxhall. It was a big thing. It was a big thing and you can't fall. You wanna look cool in it. You want to look cool, you got everyone skating backers in there, you know. So I took it serious. I was there, like, you know when people are just there to, like, listen to music? No, I'm sweating. Like, <laughs> I got a towel, like, I'm like, I must get good at this. Um, yeah, and I done this vid I done the video. I remember doing the video, and I remember getting 100 views, yeah? And we're like, bruv, 100 views, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> and then after he was like, and remember, this is before. This is not mobile phone era. This fair, is fair. go home, log in. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. a yeah, yeah. mad internet connection situation. And then it went to like 200. And we're like, raw. Hey, we're moving, you know. <laughs> and then we, the, the, the excitement just started to build. When it got to 1,000, we was like, now you start to dream. This is when we get, when we get stupid. <laughs> it was like, raw. You know the Range Rover I'm going to buy, cuz then <laughs> I'm going to buy the maddest Range fam with the cream interior. <laughs> Should we just create the business now? So, um, yeah, we had, and this is what's crazy. So we all got gassed, we got excited. But then, again, being from the ends and how we financed <laughs> to make that thing happen was a bit nuts. <laughs> yeah, so it, like, what happened is we started talking to, like, um, different clothing brands and they start the you know when they start to say you could have this money or you could have this yeah. and it mash up everything. Oh wow <laughs> it mashed I'm just letting you know you know so what one of the key between my boys it mashed up every, the whole dynamics everything changed you know because we weren't supposed to be, we didn't know I was gonna do this and now fame is here yeah. and even the dynamics of the groups changed where it's like you know, you got that the pretty boy in the group that used to get all the attention, and now no one's talking to you anymore. They want to talk to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? They want to talk to me, and it's and then it was a it was a point of the money and stuff. So I would one of the key things note this down, please. The person that you want to work with, like, be careful about the person you choose. Okay. You already know. There's already someone that you want to work with, and you're like, I can't work with you. <laughs> Listen to that. <laughs> it was it probably, and you have to go through it. Don't get me wrong. You have to go through it. But you know, there's a friend that you're working with. You're like, you got certain ways about you. <laughs> yeah. And we ain't made no money yet. But your ways <laughs> is, and you never want to, and we lost. So everyone says, what happened to Shadrach and Amandim? Beef. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, That's what happened to Shadrach and Amandim. If I'll be honest with you. It would beef beef her and Shadrach and the man them. Mm. And then after this, me and my boys were like, and I'm talking beef. <laughs> you know? Um, and then we said, you know what? It was that line. I remember Marston came to me and he goes, um, make another hove. You know what I'm saying? Everyone says they made hove, make another hove. He said, let's do it again. Let's see what we can do. So but then Caramel came. You know, we hit them with um, the no chicken. Then we done Duncan and McCoy. And then like more stuff came after it. But I will say that I just all I want to do is really encourage you guys to understand that one, you can't let go of that thing that was is a little voice in you that wants to do something. I just need to shout out Blogspot because yeah. that puts on so, so many. many. I had a Blogspot. Yeah. To this day, it's still on. It's still live. Yeah. It's just still like no, I took mine down. <laughs> do you know why I took mine down? Because yeah. people was just like plagiarizing my work. <gasps> people really? were just taking moments. And then, like, just regurgitating it for The Guardian oh, and that's for rude. The Independent and for other newspapers. And I thought, no. 
Yeah, that's rude. I had this conversation with Hyper Frank as well the other day because we was doing an interview, um, but like a, a joint one on Zoom, and she said, "Oh, I took my blog down because of this," and I thought, "Oh my god, so did I." That's why I took mine down too. That's okay. No one was trying to copy my stuff because you know, like when it's grime, it's like if he wasn't there, yeah, it's true. he wasn't there. So if you're coming in now and you're trying to act like, yeah, I know about grime, yeah. the only way to know is by Prance or Hyper Frank, Chantel Philly, Sign Answer, the certain blogs that you go on that have all the information about what was going on at that time. Hattie Collins, like the certain you know Dan um, Cox like there's certain people you know those people was talking about Graham so they would just lift stuff and then write articles and get paid for it I said no blogging was such a thing yeah like it's funny you say that as well because like it was if you were there or if you weren't there, you'd have to refer to the blogs mm-hmm. or there weren't, you know, we didn't have, not doesn't make us sound old, but we didn't have like loads of YouTube channels out there. We, we didn't, didn't have like, you know, Instagram reels and all this, all, this, all this stuff. Like if you weren't there, you weren't there. Remember when I started at Live Magazine, the people that I started along, alongside, Jamal Edwards, yeah. SBTV, um, Posty, GRM Daily, Rashid, Link Up TV, yeah. like that. Even was, Jackie, 0207. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, this, yeah. This was all, that was all the live magazine, yeah. you know, year year of, of Cyan Anderson. It was all there creating our brands. Like those things didn't exist before. We had to rely on Blogspots. Damn. <laughs> We're old. It was a very different time <laughs> and it just goes to show like you had to be hungry. Yes. You had to have drive mm-hmm. if you wanted to make it. Mm-hmm. That makes me question, actually. It sounds like, although the course wasn't exactly what you wanted, you got what you needed out of it. So do you think you could have got this far without a uni degree? Do you know what? No one. (laughs) So no one's ever asked me if I've got a degree, which pains my soul because I'm like, the student loan, the student loan, please someone ask me because I've had to pay student loan. Um, But... No, I would say that it it helped me go, like get on the map. Like I said, like if I didn't go to uni, I wouldn't have had access to camera equipment. And if I didn't have access to camera equipment, I would have been able to annoy people in the street and do my box pops and so on and so forth. So definitely it wasn't in vain. Definitely it wasn't a waste of time. I also met some of my best friends there that I'm still best friends with now. So it's a beautiful blessing. So I didn't have camera time for my degree but I made friendships and sisters for life and great experiences and yeah I don't regret it you've touched on a really good point about drive and um after the success of kidulthood like still talking about you know when you're at the London School of Economics time you had an opportunity to just pick one I guess Mm. you could maybe just carry on doing acting Mm. as you have done anyway or you could have been like actually no let's just be a lawyer what what was the thought process around that time so i remember there's 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 about three things that happened so i do kidhood in my first year of uni comes out my first year of uni and then i do adulthood in my final year of uni right and i remember i went to see my personal tutor and this woman I hadn't seen her for the whole of uni. Imagine that. I was bare, I was so anti at uni. I was, oh, wow. you know, like, because I went to London School of Economics. Is This is an elitist university. Yeah. And like I said, at this point, I'm from ENDS. I'm not from Nigeria. <laughs> and so I've got that ENDS mentality. I'm at this elitist university, all these, like, snobby, spoiled, yeah. um, super intelligent sometimes, but mostly snobby and spoiled kids. Yeah, that all went to private school. Yeah. They were a bit arrogant, a bit cocky, but I was arrogant and cocky because I was from ENDS. Yeah. And I was repping ENDS. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you're from ENDS and you're young, you feel like you have to rep. It's true. That thing. Yeah. And like, whatever. Like, I feel like you, only people from ENDS get it. Yeah. That is that you're loyal to 
to the ideal of being Enzish. Okay. <laughs> and so I was a bit anti. And so, and also what was weird about London School of Economics was that I was famous outside of uni, mm. but in uni I wasn't famous because those kids don't even watch films like Kid Old. Right. So then it was straight away, it was humbling because it's, and it's kept me humble since. People right. are like, oh, Femi, you're so humble. Because I realised that actually, if I stayed in ENDS or I went to a uni with mainly people from ENDS, yeah. I would have thought I was the most famous guy in the world. It's true. And behaved accordingly. Yeah. Because I went to this uni where basically I step off campus to go to the station. Yeah. At the station, people are stopping me to take pictures. Yeah. But on campus, no one cares. Fair. It was so humbling. And so it made me realise that actually your fame is relative. So unless you're Will Smith, like not everyone knows you. And so your fame is relative. So like from then, even when, when, I, when I talk to people, I'm like, yeah, I'm well known within youth culture and black culture. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. But I, I wouldn't have known that if I didn't go to this uni. But anyway, cut a long story short, I was anti. So I go and see my personal... <laughs> I don't see my personal tutor the whole time. Yeah. I'm just like, I can't be bothered. So then I go and see my personal tutor. I saw at the start of uni, I'm seeing her, like, because you have to now. Oh, right, right, see right. Her. I think you have to see her once a year. Okay. She's like, so what are you doing next? I say to her, oh, I want to do... Um, I, I, I might be going into law, but I'm also thinking about acting. I've done acting work, blah, blah, blah. She's like, really? And she says to me, when I was like your age, I got the opportunity to either do my final law exam or to go and start in one of the biggest soaps in Belgium. And I decided to do my law exam and here I am today. And she looked like she wanted to cry. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going <laughs> to do the acting thing. That persuaded me. See, do you know what? Yeah. God placed that woman right that persuaded, there. <laughs> the reason that persuaded me was that actually I don't want to be in my 40s yeah. or late 30s, however old she was at the time. And almost crying to a kid, oh saying, God. oh, I'm a lawyer, but I wish I was something else. Wow. But I still, like, had moments where I still, like, dabbled. I went to law interviews and stuff, but I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. I was only doing it because, like, it was an opportunity to make money or, like, right. it was quick. Like, yeah. you know, it was quick harder and, like, you know, following my dreams or whatever. Speaking of home, I know that representation is really important to you. You've highlighted this in your music, um, but you also have mentioned it in the past how important it is for little black and brown girls who may be from Australia or all over the world to see you and what you are achieving. So are you very much conscious of the roles that you take on because of this? Um, yes, I think so. I wouldn't. Yeah, I just I think what I what I want to do is inspire other people to do whatever it is they want to do, because, you know, it can be so hard with imposter syndrome and with whatever. It can be so hard to convince yourself, am I allowed to give this a go? Am I allowed to be an actor? I think that's what initially made me doubt whether I could stop the chemistry and uh, the, <laughs> the chemistry degree and, and try for drama school. You know, who am I? little yeah. Austrian girl to to think I can move to London and go to a drama school there like I think and that would have felt so different I think if I would have seen someone like me do yeah. the same but um but there wasn't anyone to look up to like when when I came to London and I saw people who looked like me that was the first time somebody told me how I could do my hair do you know what I mean wow. like um, it's it's those sort of things, and and I just think that is really important that every child or young person or adult yeah. sees themselves in 
either on posters or in in positions of power because that makes such a difference um so yeah that's what i'm all about and and i and i do like to address that in my music because that's where i can you know talk about things that i want to talk about yes. and it has been the response has been amazing some people message me oh my god this is exactly how i feel and, and my favorite thing is when parents message me that their um that their children see it and they there was one mother who messaged me saying my daughter my five-year-old daughter saw your video your music video and the next day she went to school with her hair down for the first time ever and I was so just lovely. burst into tears I was like oh, yes let the fro out oh my god yes that is oh, amazing that is so heartwarming just to know that you know you inspired a little girl to just be her authentic self and let yes. her hair down exactly so yeah I was very proud of that and I think that's for me, that's the most important thing. That's my life's mission. If I yeah. can inspire one person, then that's great. But I've, I've got to say this to you, like literally on the pod, because you are such an inspiration to me and so many other women, because you have made it a possibility for us to be working mums in the media and music industry. And the reason why I say this is because I hadn't really seen it done. Mm-hmm. And when I remember I actually came to your house mm. and I saw you in your element, you'd finished radio and you mm. said, Rem, come. And I was like, okay, I'm coming to your house. <laughs> and I saw you with Elijah and I saw you, I literally watched you balance it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, I could have a baby. And please, the world, I just want to put this on record. Sign has been telling me to have a baby for years. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know why you're not big belly. <laughs> <laughs> soon come, soon come. <laughs> but you made me feel like, wow, she is killing it. And she has a beautiful son that she adores. And he's not, I don't even want to say the word, but like he hasn't been a hindrance mm. to you. What do you talk about getting jobs? Because girl, you've been booked and busy. But one oh. thing I noticed in particular is that as well as you hustling and getting jobs yourself, you had an agent very early on. And yeah. that's something a lot of people starting out, they ask about, do I need an agent? How should I get an agent? All that kind of stuff. So what's your experience with agents and managers? And do you think they're important? I think they're important, but not at the start of your career. I think I had an agent very prematurely. Big up to Alec Boateng because he was on one extra at the time and he was like my mentor. And he, it was his agent and he got me in with him. But Anyone that's starting out now, I'm like, you don't need it. What you need to do is go and make your own lane. Instagram wasn't big back in the day, Ramel. Remember, Instagram wasn't, when we were starting, you couldn't go viral and then get a job. You had to really hustle. Like, there weren't TikTok where you could do silly videos. Oh, I've got 500 subscribers on whatever it is, 500,000. So now I'm getting booked for red carpets. No, you actually had to be a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, not to anybody. Times have clearly changed. But when we were doing it eight, nine years ago, you had to really like have that skill set. And I feel like I didn't really need an agent at the start. I needed to just go. I had rinse. I needed to just like hone my skills, focus on that. And I always say, when you're at the start, I always say to people, let the agent come to you. Mm. Let them see your stuff online and be like, oh, I really like that girl. I really like that guy. Like, wow, they're DJing here. Like, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you need to get an agent straight away. And also you need to kind of have a profile for the agent and management to work with. If you are new and you've got 1500 followers on Instagram and you're not really popping yet, 
it's hard for them to sell you to people because they're going to be like, well, what's he or she done? So you kind of need to do a bit of the work first. So I would say if you're listening and you're thinking, do I need an agent? If you're at the very start of your career, no. I'd say no. I'd say just make your contact yourself and focus on finding out the type of broadcaster that you want to be. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. You're still saved in my phone as Clay's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but do, do you know what? That's um, as well as that being like the comedy thing. Because I, I did music first, isn't it? I, I, I can't lie. We need to talk about Junior Spesh. Okay. <laughs> so for those that don't know about Junior Spesh... <laughs> this was a part of Kyle's past. Mm -hmm. This was his music. Was it a debut? I could say no, not at all. Oh, that wasn't a. Oh, no, for no. us that didn't know about yeah, you, yeah, yeah, of course. That yeah. was a bit of a music debut. Yeah. But again, for those that don't know, um, it was a huge song that went viral in a time when songs weren't going viral. No, this was when people were sending songs on Bluetooth. Oh my god, I can't believe you just said that. That's so old. Yeah, this is when people had to like. People had to delete like pictures of their family so that they could get <laughs> songs on their phone. So um, it made it to Channel U, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's how most of people, because again, we didn't have online viral things. Yeah, there yeah, weren't yeah. no Twitter or stuff like that for things to trend. This was proper Channel U days. You had to have that channel to see this. And like you even had to text if you wanted to see it again, yeah, yeah, those yeah. kind of days. So Juno Spesh, it was you, uh, known as Clay's, mm -hmm. Jaxa, Terra and Ray, yeah. the mandem, yeah, you yeah, were yeah. red hot entertainment. Yeah. Let's talk about that because was that an accident? Was that intentional? What was going on? That was an in joke that went crazy. Because <laughs> explain to them what Junior Special is, please. So, Junior Special is a song about uh, a meal at a chicken and chip shop, which is um, a kid's meal and it's called a Junior Special. And we used to eat that because nobody had money. So, <laughs> you'd get the kid's meal. And, um, and then we made a song about it. Because we were always in, we were always in studio. Yeah. And we were making music, trying to be like prop, like a proper crew. Like we was trying to be like roll deep or like yeah. nasty crew or something. Like that's what we were aiming for. And then we ended up just making this joke song, for, like which was meant to be just for ourselves. Yeah. Just on a day that we were at studio, and I was like, oh, I just had this idea. Like let's just do this. And then I put like I did. I was the first verse. Then Jack did the chorus, and then I left. I left it. At his house, and then I came back and Terra had done a verse. Oh my gosh! And then a few days later, Ray had done a verse, and I was like, "What? What? You made a proper making this a song and that?" <laughs> and then the next thing, people were sending it to it to driver in in sixth form, and That's people were playing it. Mad. And I'm like, "You man, we've been grinding for years. Do you want to play them tunes or <laughs> play the real ones?" And yeah, man. I mean, we we had a little bit of success pre um, Junior Special. We were like, we had a track called Baby Girl that was on Channel U, and that did quite well. We used to do, we used to actually get some bookings. For, no way. Yeah, and it's mad because we were like, we were like 17, 18. Yeah. And we were getting bookings in places like Bournemouth and that. What? Yeah. but we're, And we couldn't afford to get to Bournemouth oh to do gosh. these bookings. So sometimes we had to just like, like we had to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll try and make it, knowing that we're not going to turn up. Mad. I remember we had a booking in Chalk Farm at a, a party and we got there and everyone... Everyone was like 30. And no. to us now, that's like, oh, yeah, sure. But when we were, when we were like 19, 20, yep. and we get to a party and it's full of like 30 olds, we're like, what is this? Like, how are we? Why did we get this book? Yeah, 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 for real. But they were loving it. And we would do a, wow. a couple tracks and then we'd do Junior Special and they'd lose their mind and we'd like do it like three, four times. Oh my. So you were literally like, and forgive me because I always used to get offended by this phrase, but you were literally hood famous. Yeah. 
And that's a very interesting way of looking at being successful. Mm. And did that ever make you think, oh, maybe I, could, maybe, maybe I don't need to do anything else? Well, you know what? I didn't know that it was outside of my hood. I didn't right. know that outside of Newham, like anyone knew of us or what we did. And then, um, and then there was another member of our group that had a, a song that went quite big, Gracious. Of course, Red Hot. Migraine Skank. And then made Migraine Skank. And then was massive. And then that's when we all got lazy. It was because there, was, there were a few things that happened. Um, but one of the biggest factors, I think, is that we got lazy because we thought that we'd ride on Gracious's success. Right. And then get through the door based on that. Yeah. Rather than actually continuing to do, if we if we'd stuck at the work rate that we were at before Migraine Scrank blew up, yeah, then I think that we would have been because Migraine Scrank was like Junior Special was one thing because it was like people thought it was funny yeah. and liked it as yeah. a, as like musically liked it, but Migraine Scrank actually like was worldwide, yeah, for and Grisha started getting bookings like. All over the world, yeah. like, and it wasn't just because when I say that, people think like, "Oh yeah, it did like Mallorca and and Malia and Napa and all those places," but like, Chris was getting bookings in like, like Denmark and yeah, like I th I think he had, he had booking in like South Africa or like think like proper like worldwide. Yeah, that's a long plane. Yeah, um, <laughs> and I was like, oh, like okay, well we'll just like I'll just roll to that. I'll just we'll just roll to that. Um, and it was constantly like, oh, we'll just go to this event. He will go to this booking. Mm. But we sort of forgot what we were doing. Right. And we really should have stuck at it. Um, and I, I, I don't say this out of bias, but like Terra, who mm. is in Red Hot, is still to me one of my favorite artists. Wow. I think Terra can make a song, any a song about anything, any yeah. topic, and like. Tara had songs that could make you cry. Tara had songs that make you laugh. Whatever noise, whatever um, mode that you were feeling, like yeah. he had a song for it because he was consistent. Yeah. But it was a, there were a lot of factors. It was like we couldn't really afford to have proper studio time. So if you listen to Genius Special now, the quality of that is trash. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, but the times were different. The times were different. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's bad. Fair so, enough. Like, and we didn't have the money to 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 go to a high quality studio yeah. we didn't have the money to make high quality videos yeah so that's why we put out like one video every six months or something like that yeah fair enough that's why we're eating Junus with kids meals and a shit i also met uh, my childhood friend uh reggie yates nice. that's that's where we met together this is years before smile obviously the crust and before we ended up working together that yeah. that is where we met and before I don't know if like loads of people know this. Before we'd done kids TV together, I was Reg's DJ. What? And he was an MC with another friend of mine, Jermaine. And what? we would, yeah, we would DJ as a collective called our first name was Ghetto Fabulous Crew. Come you know, on! <laughs> or G GFC for sure. I love it. And um, yeah, we did we did Pirate Radio, uh, Pirate Radio together out of Frinsley Park. It's only, round, it's only round the corner from um, where my, my, my studio spot is now. So we did Pirate Radio together for years and years before Kids TV. Uh, and that is what I thought I wanted to do. Bef more than acting and more than anything else performing, I wanted to be a DJ. That was the thing I fell in love with. and was like, right, what can I do to just be a DJ for the rest of my life? Yeah. 
That's, that's like the first big obsession. That's sick, man. Oh, big up. What was it? Get a fabulous <laughs> GFC. Yeah, get a fabulous crew, yeah. <laughs> you lot are sick for that. I love that. Yeah, do you know what? It, it makes sense because your passion for music just comes through regardless. So it's clear there was a lot more to it than just, you know, pressing buttons on radio. Oh, yeah, yeah, which yeah, for sure. I absolutely love. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Ramel London. Please rate, follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Ramel underscore London on Twitter and Instagram. 